Glad you chose to be here this morning. Cindy and I are off visiting family and friends. And uh, tomorrow I'm very thankful for a gift to ski at Bretton Woods up near Mount Washington. So happy about that. Also very thankful for all the birthday wishes throughout the week. It definitely is tough getting old. Uh, some of you uh, may have noticed last week that I posted a Facebook picture of a dancing pastor. And uh, some of you have uh, called me out on that, uh, a double dog dare, and I just can't uh, back down from a double dog dare. And so you see this post for this dancing pastor, and I put after it, uh, the Patriots win, good thing the game is after church. Well, again, not to shrink back from that. Uh, some of you have asked for this. My apologies for those who haven't. Uh, there are just some things you just can't unsee. So after last Sunday's game, this is how I felt. I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. So good. So good. To give equal time to the other team, this was on one church's sign, Bible quiz. How many verses are about the Eagles? And how many are about the Patriots? Eagles 33, Patriots 0. Yikes. I guess I'm in trouble for next week. But today, we're in for a treat. We're going to be hearing from Sam Roberts. Sam is a pastor at Life Church. We've heard him before. So glad that uh, Life Church makes uh, these kinds of resources available to a, light, to a church like ours. Uh, remember, today's message is not just about filling a Sunday when I'm away. It has thought prayer and anticipation behind it your leadership team and i want to bring the best we can to you someone who wouldn't necessarily be available to come in person now included in this morning's uh teaching included are some comments regarding life church i wanted to include this week uh, the message is from a few years ago i trust you'll not find watching a message on screen an obstacle but in just a few moments, you'll settle in and engage with a speaker that has a life-changing message uh, for all of us. Would you please pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we're just uh, thankful for Life Church and them making these uh, resources available to us. I pray that as we hear from Sam this morning, our hearts will be opened and that you truly would touch us, helping us to take a next step with our relationship with you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to welcome everybody out, all of you at our LifeChurch.tv locations, those of you at our network churches, and of course, those of you at our church online family all across the globe. It's always great to have you with us. My name is Sam Roberts, and I am one of our directional leadership team members here at LifeChurch.tv. And man, it is my honor and privilege to get to fill in for our senior pastor, Craig Groeschel, who this weekend is actually going to be up in Albany, New York, at our Albany location up there doing a vision night. And so we're really excited about that. Man, you guys are uh, so a big shout out to all of our folks in Albany. Uh, great to have you with us. Now, this week, something else that uh, Craig was uh, able to do was check something off that old bucket list that, you, you know, it's one of those things you never know if it gets to happen, but in fact it did. God opened up a window of opportunity, and Craig this week got to meet uh, none other than Billy Graham uh, this last week, who's arguably probably one of the uh, greatest evangelists of 
all time. And uh, what an honor that was. Uh, Billy Graham's actually 93 years old uh, right now. Craig got to go to his home and meet with him. And, and I was talking to Craig about this, and he said, I mean, a crazy thing, Sam, was when we go in there, he actually knew about Life Church and what God was doing through it and had heard about it and heard about us and what has happened. He goes, that's just like humbling and crazy to even begin to think about. The fact that this man knows about what God is doing. And he was excited to get to meet and hear about all that God was doing uh, through Life Church. And so it was a pretty neat opportunity. In fact, uh, Pastor uh, Bobby Grunwald and Pastor Craig, uh, Bobby's one of our other directional leaders who was traveling with Craig. They got to give, Craig, uh, they got to give uh, Pastor Graham his first ever iPad. How cool is that? So at 93, he got his first iPad. And of course, if we're going to give him an iPad, what's going to be loaded on it? You version. You got it. And uh, so he was blown away. And we get to celebrate with him the fact that actually last week we surpassed 50 million downloads of the Bible. Uh, unbelievable. So he was blown away. They got to pray for each other. I mean, how cool is it? Billy Graham wanted to pray for Life Church. How cool is it to get Billy Graham pray for us? That's pretty cool stuff. And then uh, Pastor Craig got to pray for him. So it's a wonderful opportunity. And we're really excited uh, for Pastor Craig. This week, we are beginning a series entitled Forget You. Now, have you ever come across a person who seemed to be a little bit too full of themselves and always want to talk about them and everything's about them. You just want to look at them and you want to be like, hey, forget you. It's crazy. Or maybe somebody asked you to do something absolutely nuts and, and you're thinking, there is no way. And you just want to look right at them and be like, hey, forget you. No way I'm doing that. Well, this happened to me not too long ago. We have a couple dogs at our house. One of them, Nala, is getting a little bit older. And uh, she's beginning to kind of um, leak around the house, so to speak. And this is just nasty. And I said, we got to do something about this. So my wife goes to the vet. And she comes back and she says, well, there is good news and there's bad news. The good news is the vet thinks it's probably a bladder infection and it'll clear up with some antibiotics. I said, well, that's good. Well, what's the bad news? She goes, the bad news is you get to take a specimen. Uh. I said, really? I said, well, did you explain to this vet that this is a female dog? And have you, does he realize how female dogs use the bathroom? It ain't like a male that hikes their leg that you may be able to swing around or something and get out of there. It's like awkward. All, she goes, oh, we're way ahead of you. No worries there. Here we go. We've uh, got this little contraption that me and the vet worked up for you. And all you got to do is take this little coat hanging, you stick the little cup in there, and uh, you end up with They say, what you, what you do is you follow the dog. I can't make this stuff up. This is, this really, this is crazy. They say to me, you're supposed to follow her around, and then right whenever she goes to go to the bathroom, you just scoop right in like this, and then you pull right back out. Nobody gets hurt, right? And it just. All right, so me and my dog had a little talk, and uh, we uh, decided that we were both uh, equally uncomfortable with this endeavor. So uh, we looked at my wife and said, uh, <clears throat> forget you. No way we're doing that. So I said, we're going to lay hands on this dog. We're going to pray for her, and she's going to get better. Sure enough, boom, we did that, and she is all good today. So we're good. Didn't have to mess with that. But sometimes uh, we definitely want to look at folks and we want to say, man, forget you. Well, as we begin this series today, what we need to realize is sometimes we need to look in the mirror and we need to say, man, forget you. 
Because it's really not about you. It's not about me. It's about something much bigger, much better. And the verse that we are going to rally around and sink deep into our spirits during this series comes from the book of John, chapter 3, verse 30, where the Bible says, he, meaning Jesus, must become what? Must become greater. We, though, says I must become what? Less. That's right. He must be cre become greater. I must become less. An easy verse to memorize even and, and begin to say, but very, very difficult to live out in application. Now, I want to set a little bit of context for you as to what exactly was going on here in John chapter 3. Uh, in fact, not too long uh, before, John had actually baptized Jesus in the Jordan. And Jesus had come to him and baptized. Now, John had told his disciples, hey, look, you need to understand something. I'm not the Christ. In fact, when he comes and I have to baptize him, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. Okay? So I'm not the Christ. Don't look at me. John had already said that. But Jesus goes, after John is baptized, him, Jesus goes, he gathers some disciples. They come back to the Jordan, and now they're baptizing just down away from John, right? Well, in verse 26, what we see is John's disciples come to him, and they say, well, okay, uh, hey, Rabbi, um, you remember that guy that you told us about, the other guy on the other side of the Jordan? Remember him? And remember, yeah, the one you baptized? Okay, so he's back, and uh, they're baptizing people down there. And everybody's going to them. Great opportunity here to kind of be like, they're, they're, it's almost like you can hear them saying, hey, John, listen, I don't know what's going on, but this ain't working no more. This whole plan, this marketing strategy we rolled out, it ain't working. We need to re recoup and re try to figure out what to do because something's going wrong. Are you not praying in the morning? What's happening with you? I don't know. Matter of fact, I think I might go over there because I think I got better job security over there with that guy and so, rather than working with you and because there's nobody here. What's the deal? John says, hey, 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 look. He must become greater, and I must become less. It's almost like John was saying, hey, you know what? Second place is okay. Second place is okay. I don't mind this. Now, that's kind of almost crazy in our society because we're taught that second place is what? It's the first loser, right? And, and you know what? You got to outwit, outplay, outman your competition, and you got to get a leg up. Because we got to be numero uno, right? Got to be number one. But John's saying something very, very different. This scripture in John 3 is saying, hey, he must become greater. We must become less. Second place is okay. In fact, in life, when you meet someone who understands this, it's like, it's like, almost a, it's like attractive. Like you want to be around them when there's someone who's comfortable in their own skin. And, you know, because you know the antithesis of that are the people who got to always get that last word in, always got to say that last thing, or always got to be noticed in the meeting, like, well, I think that, uh, you know, my, my opinion is, and, uh, and you're just like, oh, seriously, forget you and already, okay? And it's just, you just want to, but when you feel, see somebody who is comfortable in their own skin and understands who they are, it's almost like when they understand he must become greater, they must become less, it is like you want to be around that individual, right? So, but the thing is, in our society, 
everything cries out the opposite. It's like it's all got to be about whatever we do, and it's about us, and it's about my Twitter account, and how many people retweeted me, and who retweeted me, and who liked my Facebook post or didn't, and all this. And it's about what my kind of myopic world, and, and it's about my career, because I don't care who I got to step over in my career to get up that corporate ladder. I will do it because it's about my position and where I'm headed in my career. Or it's about my kids. You know what? I realize my kid can't play a lick of this kind of sport in Little League, but you know what, by golly, my kid needs to be out there, PT, more PT, more playing time for my kid. Why? Because it's about me. I don't care about the team. We may lose every game. Put him out there on the floor or put her out there on the floor. Or maybe it's, it's you know what, photographs. How about this? And you know you're like me. If there's a group picture and you're in it, what is the first thing you look at when you see that group picture? You look at your picture, right? And if you look like you are staring off at some weird bird flying through the sky or you got some crooked grin and it just looks bad and you're like, man, look at it. He looks like he got a lazy eye and crooked grin. You know, you are like, that's a bad picture. Everybody else could look great, but it's like, that's a bad picture. Untag me and everything in Facebook. I ain't going to be in that. That's nasty. That's ugly. Matter of fact, delete that off of everything. After iCloud, iPad, iPhone, I, everything. Get it out of here. Why? Because it's about us. I do the same thing. You know, it's like, oh, it's a terrible picture. It's like, but truly, it's something that is so countercultural to us to understand that it's not about us. He must become greater. We must become less. If you're taking notes, there's a key thought that I want us to write down. And that is this, that to mature physically, we increase. To mature physically, we increase, right? We get bigger, we get stronger, we grow. But to mature spiritually, we decrease because it becomes less about us and more about him. Mother Teresa says it this way, and I like this. She says, if you are humble, nothing will touch you, neither praise nor disgrace, because you know what you are. I like that. I like that. But this thought, this idea is so different from what we're told and expected to be, isn't it? And we're going to talk about a few things today uh, about what does it really look like to be more about Jesus and less about ourselves? What does it look like to be like that? Now, this can look like a lot of different things. But, um, man, we're going to talk about three specific areas that we can work on and look at for our own lives, okay? The first thing, if you're taking notes, is that I lose my focus. I lose my focus focus. What does that mean? It means to lose the things where you focus on it being about you. Because remember, it's not about us, right? So I lose my focus on me. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says that we fix our eyes on who? We fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author, the perfecter of our faith, right? And when our focus is on him, then it can't be on us, can it? Right? So we lose the focus on ourselves. But it's very difficult to do. In fact, I would tell you, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you when I stand up here and speak, it's awesome to hear all that great, to hear great feedback and people mention what the message has done or that, you know, this was real encouraging here or there. It's fulfilling. It's good. We want to hear good things when people want to say good stuff about it. You're just like, man, that's great. I'm glad I did it. In fact, one weekend, I was out at one of our campuses after I had spoke the weekend before. And uh, we were out there 
and I, I, the worship experience was going on, the music was playing, and the auditorium was filling up. Well, I wanted to go up to the front to see if maybe there were some seats up there that we could get some people into. So I went up and I looked, and I was coming back to let them know. And when I did, I encountered three different families that were walking into the auditorium. The first family comes up, and they, man, the guy was like, hey, I saw you last week, man. Great job. Thank you so much for what you said. It meant a lot to me, really impacted me on that scripture. And I was like, man, glory to God. That is awesome. I'm so excited for you. Second family, same thing. They came in a fist bump. Man, that was great. I loved what you said. That story was so funny, whatever. And I was like, man, that's great. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, I get to the third person. It's this couple that's rounding the door. And this girl goes like this, right? And so I'm thinking, of course, because what? It's all about who? It's all about me. And I'm thinking she's going to be like, I loved your message. It was great. Yours was, that was amazing. Whatever. So I put my high five. I'm going to go give her some dab. And she goes, yeah, I need uh, two seats. I like, and luckily I was quick on my feet. So I was like, two seats? Yeah, no problem. I got, I got that. Come on, come on with me right now. So I, I'm like taking them to go find their seats. But isn't it funny how God can quickly humble you in a moment and be like, hey, look, this ain't about you. It ain't about your message. She don't want to give you high five about your message. She wants two seats. And I'm like, got it. Got it. I'm, I'm right on it. So you know what? We get the focus off of us because why? It's not about us. He must become greater we must become less. And when we get our focus in the right place, we realize that, you know what, because when we think that everything that we're trying to do that day is important and everything that God maybe wants done is important and we get all this stuff that's important in our day, then nothing is important in your day. If everything is important, then nothing is truly important. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus and we do and we get the right focus, all of a sudden, where other people see death, what do we see? We see life, right? Where other people are seeing despair, you begin to see hope. Where other people see, you know, uh, obstacles, what do you see? Opportunities. Because our focus is in the right place. The first thing we have to do to become more about Jesus and less about us is to Lose my focus, the focus that's on me. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is I lose my stuff. I lose my stuff. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, Solomon wrote this uh, text. And now here's the deal. Solomon, the thing you need to know is seriously, the wealthiest person to ever walk the planet. Okay, and he writes this. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Isn't that true? Why is that? Because there's always some new version of one of these or some new thing that I need to buy because i got to stay up with the latest fashion or there's a new model of car. It just is a little bit better than the one I got. And there's always something, right? It's funny, when I spend too long in any store, I can find so many things that I never knew that I needed, <laughs> right? It's unbelievable. It's insatiable desire for more. But when we begin to realize that I lose my stuff, that stuff's really not mine, it makes all the difference. Because we don't become all emotional about our stuff when we don't think that it belongs to us. When we do think it belongs to us, we get pretty emotional about it, don't we? Let me give you an example. Like, if, if you're in a parking lot and you're observing across the way, this person opens the door and accidentally dings someone else's car, and you're like, oh, well, bad day for them. You know, not that big of a deal, right? Because it's not your car. You don't even know the person. You don't, you're like, mm, that's a bad deal. No big deal. But 
if it's that car that you just finished washing and waxing and spraying all that smell good in there like fresh car scent, even though you don't have a new car, you got all that new car scent going and it's not even, you know, if it's that car and you've parked way out at the back of the parking lot, yep, you're one of those people, and you're out at the back of the parking lot, there's two buffer spaces between you and anybody else, okay, and then somebody comes up and pulls up next to you and accidentally dings your door, what happens? Oh, you go crazy. It's like, what is wrong with that individual? Didn't they see I had two buffer spaces? What are they thinking? What are they doing? Can they not hold the door? Did they not see? What, do they need to lose weight? I, I don't understand. Why are they just banging into everything? It's crazy. You go nuts, right? Why? Because you're like, that's my car. It's mine. You got some piece of you that's wrapped up in it, right? So same thing's true about our day. About our day, right? Whenever we wake up in the morning and we got this to-do list, and it's like, this is my day. I got all this stuff I got to do because it's about me. I got all this stuff. Don't matter about the fact that this is the day that the Lord has actually made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. But rather, we're like, no, I got my list, my thing. Why? Wow, I got to make money, make, make, a, make a list, make, make money, but do things. I, gotta, I, gotta, I got all this stuff I got to do because it's about me, right? Then when you have that mentality that you got all this prescribed things that you have to do, all of a sudden, those interruptions in your day, you begin to see them as interruptions. And you think, why on earth are they calling me? Why couldn't they get it? Build a bridge, get over it, all right, already? Come on, that's enough. You know, you just are annoyed by it. But when you're focused in the right place and your stuff, your day, your things, none of this is all yours, you begin to see those interruptions as opportunities to share God's love, to be there, to listen to someone. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says that no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and he'll love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and he'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We can't serve both God and things because truly we will love the one and hate the other, we'll get too wrapped up. We lose our focus, and it becomes more about us than it does about him. But what we're doing in Forget You is taking the focus off of us and placing it on God. If you're a good friend of mine, and you come over to my house, and we're hanging out and whatnot, a lot of times you come in, there's this thing I'll say. I'll say to you, hey, mi casa es tu casa, tu amigo which just simply means that my house is your house, my friend, all right? And so the funny thing is, some of you guys may not know this, but back here behind the stage, there's this little booth, and there's these uh, guys and gals in there who do Spanish translation, and they translate everything. So I got this weird th thought in my head about, I wonder what they just did with that. <laughs> like, do they translate that into the English? You know, mi casa es su casa. What do they do? Mi casa, su casa. Mi amo es Samuel. All right, I'm done messing with you guys back there. I apologize for all that. <laughs> Actually, one of our campus pastors, he emails me. He's like, hey, dude, actually what they're doing is they're translating your incorrect Spanish into correct Spanish. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably what is happening back there. But no, truly, we, we need to have this mentality with God, don't we? You know what? My house is your house. Whatever I got, that's, that's yours. You know what? My stuff is your stuff. My day is your day. My kids are they your kids. <laughs> right? We need to have that mentality with God, truly. My stuff, 
my things, they're actually your things. When we begin to realize that I lose my focus, it's not about me, it's more about him, and that, you know what, I lose my stuff because really I don't have any stuff to begin with, it's all his. We can begin to live more for Christ. The third thing, if you're taking notes, is this, is that ultimately I lose my life. I lose my life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, whoever finds his life will lose it. Now, that just sounds kind of like bizarre, doesn't it? To, to lose your life, you got to find it. Whoever finds their life, they lose it. It just doesn't make a lot of sense, right? But check this out. He clarifies. He says, and whoever loses his life for what? For my sake, they'll find it, right? I'm glad that he clarifies that. He says, they got to lose it for my sake because it's about Christ and his work. But we can lose our life in so many different things, can't we? We can lose our lives into things and stuff and just be all about the latest fashions and the newest gizmos and all that kind of thing. Or we can be about social media and lose our life in that. And it's all about what's happening in Facebook and Twitter and much less about what's happening with people right in front of you. Or, you know what, you could lose your life into, you know, the NBA playoffs. Thunder up, by the way. But you know what, you could lose your life into all sorts of different things. And Jesus says, hey, whoever loses his life will find it. But you lose your life for my sake, for Jesus' sake, and you will find it. Why? Because we begin to understand that there's a much greater purpose and meaning to our lives than it being about us, because it's so empty when it's about us. Now, in thinking about this idea of second place being okay, uh, you know, I got to admit, it's a really hard one for me to just try to wrap my mind around. As I begin to think about that during the course of writing this message, I thought, how do you, how do you, where does that play out in our day-to-day -day lives? You know, because, you know what, for me, Man, I was taught all through school. I played basketball through high school and college. I mean, you're always taught to what? To win. That's what we do. We're top. And um, it's kind of like, how do I be more about him? Because I get this picture when I read John 3.30 that John wasn't just like, yeah, he must become greater. I must become less. I think that there was like this sense when those disciples told him, hey, everybody's going over there. I think he was like, yes. That's what I want. That's what I need because he really must become greater and we must become less. Where do we see this play out? Well, one easy place is usually with parents and looking at their kids. What's the deal? You know what? When, as a parent, you look into your kid. You pour yourself into them. Why? Because you want them to do more, to go further and have better opportunities and do more than you ever could. And when they accomplish it, you're like, yes. That's it. Go get them. Go further. Do more. And you're excited about that. And I think that's the sentiment that we see with John about Jesus here. It's like when you pour your life into an individual with so many different late night phone calls and text messages and all those things to try to help them understand some aspect about God that will push them further ahead and they finally get it. You're like, yes, they got it. 
And it doesn't bother you if they go further and do more than you ever did because you got to play some small part in pushing them and propelling them forward in God's glory and in for his power. And God used you in that way. And you say, yes, may it become more about Jesus and his work than it is about me. Now, I have uh, six kids at the house, and so it can get absolutely crazy at times trying to manage everything that's going on around the house. Jamie, my wife, is like, should be a saint because like, it's just unbelievable the fact that she can pull it all off and get it all together and get everywhere, anywhere on time. In fact, I think I'm going to start this new grace rule about the fact that parents with kids, like, for every kid you have, you get like this 10-minute grace window for whatever time you're supposed to be there, you got like 10 minutes. So if you got one kid, you got... 10 minutes. You got four kids, you got 40 minutes. Six kids, anywhere within the hour of your allotted time to be there, you're good. Don't worry about it. You're on time. So, and all of the mamas said amen to that. Absolutely. We can go with that one. So, but here's the thing. So it was one of those weeks where it seemed like nothing could ever go right, right? You know, the boys were fighting about their Avenger toys and this and that and whatever, and I was playing with Captain America first. No, I was. I had Thor. Oh, my gosh. The world's going to fall apart, you know, and it's just they're going crazy and everything's mine, and Jamie's trying to orchestrate everything, and the baby's crying, and she's like, I am never, this is like the fourth time this week I'm like late. I cannot believe this. And she's just kind of crying and she's frustrated and she's pleading with God, God, help me, give me strength, give me wisdom. And my daughters who are 10 and 8 overhear this. Well, they go into their room and they write a little note to their mommy um, about what they think about this. And so I just chose one of them. I picked my, uh, my 10-year-old, whose name is Grace. Um, I picked it. She wrote this letter to her mommy, and I thought it would be good for you to guys to hear uh, this message to her mommy in her own words. Dear Mommy, I'm sorry you are stressed out. I prayed for you. I know Jesus will help you because we can do all things through Jesus. We can pray, and I know he will answer our prayers. Is there anything I can help you with? If there is, I will do it. You are the best mommy in the world. I love you so much. Thank you for being the best mommy I could ever ask for. I know you can do it, and I will help you with whatever you need me to do. And I chose a Bible verse that I think you should hear. I'm the Lord God of all the people of the world. Is anything too hard for me? If nothing is too hard for the Lord, then he can help you. I know it. I am sorry that you feel like whatever you do, you cannot get ready in time. If there is anything you need, just tell me. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. I love you. Love, Grace. And everybody said, aww, that's just like super sweet, right? Well, as her daddy, you know, here's the thing I'm most impressed about. that In that moment, when she saw that, she got it. It wasn't about what Wii game do I need to go play or what doll do I need to go pick up and put an outfit on or whatever. It was about, you know what, mommy needs to hear encouragement. I feel like God might have something for me to say to her, and I'm going to write this out. And it's going to become less about me, more about what God wants to do through me. And she got it. And I wonder how God feels when his children, those who say yes to Jesus Christ, they, they get it. And they realize that, you know what, there's something much bigger going on here than just me taking up some space that, you know what, it needs to become more about Jesus. 
and much less about us. And we get it. And we look on and we lose our focus on ourselves. We lose the thought that all this stuff is ours. And we realize, you know what? I lose my life because everything I have, everything I am, it's his because he must become greater and I must become less. At all of our locations, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness and your word that does not return void. And I pray now that you would speak to our hearts uh, about what we can do in order to be more about you and less about us. As we're praying today at all of our locations and at Church Online, let's just, man, if maybe you're here and you've heard God's word today and you feel like, you know what, there's certain aspects of my life that, you know what, I need to surely make it a whole lot more about him and much less about me. Maybe a big thing, maybe something small, but you can realize, man, God's spirit is telling me I need to be more about him, less about me. Just lift up your hands right now boldly. I'd love to be able to pray for you. Yeah, there's hands all across this auditorium at Church Online. Click below me. Let's just, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for us. Father, I just thank you for these lifted hands, these, these individuals who are saying, you know what, it needs to be more about you and less about me. And I pray for whatever it is that, that's on their hearts, that your spirit's placed on their hearts. God, I pray that you would give all of us the courage and the strength to live less for ourselves and more for you daily. Still praying today in that attitude of prayer. You know, there's those of you whom God has brought here who before you can begin to understand the fact that it needs to be more about God and less about you, you got to understand something fundamental about God, and that is that God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 49, the Bible reads and says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Like, that's crazy. No, she can't. But God says, even if she could, even though she may forget, I will not forget you. God has not forgotten you. In fact, you know what? Man, Jesus, he sent his son Jesus to come and die in our place on the cross. Why? Because the Bible says that we've all sinned and we've fallen short of God's standard and his glory. What does that mean? It means that, you know what, we try to be more about ourselves and less about him, and we haven't lived our lives for him, and we've put things in place of him and become, man, that made something else more important than sin in that way, and that separates us from God. But the good news is God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't forgotten me. He sent Jesus to die in our place on the cross so that we could experience forgiveness, so that we could experience a life that isn't focused on us, so that we could experience a life that is so much better, that is focused on purpose and meaning and something eternal, and that is to be more about Jesus and less about us. Now you can see why we chose to show you this message this morning. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just want to ask you to help us to make Jesus greater in our lives, becoming less. We're thankful that you want to join our lives, and we pray that you'd help us with this focus. Uh, we thank you for Sam, and we thank you for the way he speaks to our heart through your word, and we ask that uh, you'd help us to take the next steps that all of us may need to take. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.